Hey everybody, I'm CJ and I'm one half of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. This week we're doing something a little different. We are letting you hear a recovered, to the best of my ability, uh, version of our original pilot episode of the show. It was over the Shia LaBeouf starring DJ Caruso directed action thriller from 2008 called Eagle Eye. We had a lot of fun with this one, even though the movie wasn't particularly uh, particularly tongue-tied to our liking. But yeah, I think it's pretty entertaining and I hope you guys like it. Next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled bullshit with another new movie, unthawing it and doing it like regular. This time around, you'll notice that there are some different things. We didn't really figure out what we wanted the freezies to be just yet. We don't have the still fresh or freezer burnt sort of uh, markers for whether or not we liked it. We just were sitting around and talking like right after we watched the movie, which is pretty rare for us. So I hope you guys end up enjoying it. Next week, we'll be back to the same old, same old. But until then, stay frosty. Seconds. You must flee the premises. Who is it? No, none of this is mine! You know you got the wrong guy, right? Oh, obviously. Somebody set me up. Here's the thing, Jerry. You're in a load of trouble, son. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And this week, we thought we would turn our attention to a 2008 movie that very few people remember. We now know for such good reason. So good reason. <laughs> I had seen this movie. So would I. I, I had, went to go see I it had, in theaters. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I think I watched it on TNT when my dad was watching it because, man, is oh, this yeah. a dad movie? This is a TNT ass movie. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. This is this is uh, this is 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> Nothing else is on. <laughs> right after basketball. I don't know when basketball comes on. You're asking the wrong day there. Yeah, nope. Not the right person here. And I had seen it. I had seen it in its entirety. And I remembered nothing until about three fourths of the way into the movie when I suddenly said, oh, my God, that's what movie this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, again, like we said in the intro, we're watching uh, or we watched Eagle Eye, uh, which is a 2008 movie, uh, an action thriller starring Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan. And it makes... You could use a horse's tongue and you still couldn't find a lick of sense in this goddamn movie. I'm it is. <laughs> I remember liking it, too. That's the thing. And maybe I was just enamored with Shia LaBeouf because I, I I had a crush on Shia LaBeouf growing up. Uh, I feel like a you? lot of people did. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I would say that the crush got stronger after he went insane. Mm, you know what? That makes sense. Because before he went insane, he was just smarmy and boring. Yeah. And I there think, was a smarm. There's a there's yeah. a smarm and there's heavy smarm in this movie. Oh, yeah. This movie really leans into it, especially in the first like 30 minutes or so. 
Yeah. It's, well, okay. I want to backtrack and I want to talk a little bit about Shia LaBeouf, comma actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I want to really sort of dissect where Hollywood and his career sort of met each other uh, in 2008. So I really wanted to blame the bad writing for this movie on the writer's strike of 2007. Mm. And no. I don't think we can. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things we can blame it on. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that led to the creation of this movie that we will definitely get into. Um, Um, Well, first, we're big Disney fiends. Oh, yeah. obviously and part of that entails the Disney Channel and the Disney Channel there was a show called Eden Stevens and Shia LaBeouf was the little brother on there with Christy Carlson Romano and a bunch of people that nobody remembers and um, and he was just sort of this loud obnoxious person who uh, was always pulling pranks on that show and stuff like that and then I remember specifically him breaking into film uh, due to a show called Project green light i believe that's what it's called mm-hmm. it's a uh, show on hbo that matt damon and ben affleck produced and at the end of each season they they would pick a script and at the end of each season there would be a movie that just happened uh and i believe the first one was a movie called the battle of shaker heights and that movie had shia labeouf in it it was the first time i had seen him in anything that wasn't like disney related yeah and uh obviously uh, that led into probably the thing that Shia is most known for now, which is the Transformers movies. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, and um, and I remember really liking the first Transformers. I know I've come to realize that a lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. They were already on the hate train before like the, the the sequels. But I think he was the like the new affable like young actor Dojour at mm-hmm. that moment because right before Transformers, he had a. Um, a re a sort of reimagining a teen reimagining of alfred hitchcock's rear window called disturbia yes i remember disturbia and then transformers came right after that and it seemed like shia labeouf was going to be the next big thing mm-hmm. and um then the one two punch of um his portrayal of uh was it mutt yeah mutt yeah and um the the much maligned indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull which is a movie that i enjoy and (laughs) y'all can fight me (laughs) um but yeah uh what were what, what was your sort of audience to star relationship with shia labeouf at this point so you mean coming into this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in, in, like if you can remember around that time. Yeah. So um, there is a group of about five or six movies that my father has seen about 16 million times. And Transformers, the first Transformers is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that movie a lot of times on the background in my parents' living room, totally against my will. And I do not enjoy it. And I don't particularly enjoy Shia LaBeouf because of that. I wasn't... I didn't really watch Even Stevens. That wasn't one of the Disney Channel shows that I really watched in that era. Um, 
So I didn't have that like nostalgic affection for him going into Transformers. And I definitely didn't have enough uh, feelings about Disturbia for that to really shape it yeah. for me anyway. So Transformers was his big like thing that everybody knows him mm. from um, at that point. Yeah. And I hated it. And I've seen it so many times and I just hate it more every time I watch it. So and I think it's that like smarmy incompetent everyman that he like has kind of made his brand or that studios have have made his brand for yeah he's him. shitty but he's also shitty and screaming all the time and screaming <laughs> and it's like oh he's funny he has no idea what he's doing and he's falling down a lot isn't that like relatable no it's not particularly relatable in it and it's so that's a, a brand of guy that mm-hmm. I was like Ooh. No. Yeah. And this movie, <laughs> he, they really start out that way. Like mm-hmm. there is a scene, um, the first scene you see him in where he's playing poker with his coworkers. Mm-hmm. And like, if you want to see a nice, he's playing poker with his coworkers, and one of his coworkers is Turtle from Entourage. <laughs> and I, before we like break into the movie, I really, I really want to talk about the idea that for uh, a male movie star to break into that sort of upper echelon of notoriety they tend to always go through a phase where like they do the stuff that they they're like super known for um maybe some comedy stuff maybe Mm -hmm. some light action stuff but then they get like a serious action thriller under their belt and harrison ford sort of made his name on him after Star Wars and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, Will Smith had like Enemy of State. Uh, there was like mm-hmm. Eraser and stuff after Arnold Schwarzenegger got real big. And yeah. uh, even so- Gerard Butler's Gerard- got all of those. Like what was what was the one about the president? Somebody's trying to kill the president. Oh, uh, Olympus has fallen. Olympus has fallen. And then yes. there was a sequel called London has fallen where I guess someone tried to kill London. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I didn't make it through that one. Turns out. <laughs> but uh, this very much seems in that vein. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like it was trying to, because when you really think about it, Shia LaBeouf being sort of on top of the world as he was from that like late 2006 to 2009 area, that fizzled out pretty damn quick. It really did. Um, Because of stuff that happened outside of the movies, but also because, you know, dwindling returns. People were going to Transformers not necessarily for him, but to see the Bayhem. Right? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen that like Transformers... God help us. It does not need Shia LaBeouf. And uh, it still To exists. make all that money. So, um, but yeah, uh, on to, I think now we can get into Eagle Eye. It's so dumb. It's real dumb. It's so dumb. Like, I, and uh, I mean, okay, so back to the poker game with Turtle. I think I, he, he, they introduce him and he's in this poker game and there's like his friend wants to like get out of the poker game. Cause he doesn't want to waste his money because he's going on a date with his girlfriend. Yeah. He has a girlfriend. He wants, he's taking her out that night and he's like, I need money for that. So in this, nice little soup of toxic masculinity we've got going on here. Old Shia um, is ragging on his friend and using all of these like tropes of like 
how do you he's he's trying to convince his friend to stay in the game and so mm-hmm. it's like oh you're gonna and, and you're gonna want to spend money. all this money on your girlfriend because he's like you you could yeah. stay at your mama's house and like just eat a tv dinner or something or you could take her out somewhere fancy like red lobster or the olive garden and I, <laughs> the the phrase are you a man is used because your manhood guys it's directly related to how much money you spend on the women you are partnered with because only men are partnered with women and your value is dictated based on how much money you spend on them and not on your emotional intimacy okay so that's where we start you went down that rabbit hole real quick oh yeah (laughs) oh this is not the first rabbit hole I'm going down with this movie so (laughs) buckle up Um, strap in get you some tea uh, get cozy okay we're going there so the movie actually begins with a military sort of operation that involves a drone strike on what they think is a known and notorious terrorist, uh, but might be just a funeral. It might just be a funeral where most of the population of this small village somewhere in the Middle East, they don't bother to tell us where, mm-hmm. but you know that it is either Iraq or Afghanistan because this movie is made in 2008. There is a 51% chance that this is the right person. Now, listen, I got through my stats class in grad school by the skin of my teeth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not a statistician. However, who is (laughs) no one with any self-love? So but even to me, 51 percent, you know, it doesn't seem enough to bomb an entire village and that's not we're not even going to get into well uh, yeah michael chickless is there (laughs) and michael chickless is there and and he's just like man maybe we like shouldn't bomb the funeral and then he has like people in his ear who are like yes yes bomb the funeral (laughs) and everyone else in the room is like come on man we gotta bomb the funeral what if he gets away he'll disappear into the netherworld and we'll never see him again gotta bomb that funeral and then they call the president and the president is like yeah man bomb that funeral <laughs> and <laughs> which like come on like I, what I, we take yeah. notes for these things in my notes i literally wrote dick president <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah it's so that was the sort of beginning of the very confusing politics that this movie has and we're gonna get into because there is a like the politics in this movie because the NSA reveal the the sort of revelation, the nationwide come to Jesus moment that was people finding out that the NSA was tapping everybody's phones and stuff like that. One in hindsight was super dumb on our part because the NSA was had been around for like so since long. before we were born, so and long. they had been tapping phones and shit since since nine eleven. Yeah. So so but. I feel like this came out within I don't know if the movie predates that sort of general revelation or if like it came out like right on the cusp of it if it was like super prescient that people were going to start like really worrying about it I wrote down and I was just like this feels like if somebody took that weird feeling you get when Facebook shows you an ad for something you just googled and made it into a movie (laughs) yeah it's weirdly prescient that way like 
I don't want to give this movie credit for much, but it is prescient about like the feeling, like that feeling and those politics. Mm. Like it is very much trying to be a commentary on the NSA. What it ends up being is a commentary on a whole lot of other things. Yes. And it also. And also just an amalgam of every other movie you've seen like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And it and it's ignoring like capitalism's existence, right? Like it's saying like, look, our phones are being tapped. Everything we look up or text or say is being listened to, all of which is pretty much true. Mm -hmm. But it's assuming that they're going to use it to kill it all, kill us all. Really, what they're going to use it for is just to try to sell us shit. Yeah, it's very it's very doomsday in that way. But Mm we we sort of begin the movie with Shia LaBeouf as Jerry. And Shia LaBeouf looks like such a fucking Jerry. Yeah, he does. He looks like such a fucking Jerry. They really named him aptly. Yeah. So he he works at a uh, at a sort of Office Max dealio that yeah. is hilariously named the Copy Cabana. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. Listen, guys, you're going to learn real quick how much I love a bad pun. And he can't pay his rent on time or he's paying his rent with turtles date money and <laughs> he's got a very stereotypically eastern european accented landlady so yeah that's uh, fun yeah and he gets a phone call saying that his brother died strap in there's so this movie has so many moving parts so <laughs> and it takes you so long to figure out who died is it his brother you find out later it's a twin it's his twin brother also played by shia labeouf but this time without a beard because uh military and um you see it's an open casket funeral you see the body let me tell you that body don't look like shia labeouf it very much looks like shia labeouf's face on someone else's face. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> like I didn't realize until later he said something about a twin brother. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, it's like a it's yeah. like a twin. And he's having thing. yeah, and he's having problems with his dad because his dad is just like, where you been? He's just been like the world. And uh I don't want your money and all that angsty stuff that some very Shia LaBeouf is very good at very underwritten inexplicable family drama Ooh. <laughs> 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 Woof. Uh, <laughs> stick a pen in underwritten um, and he, he leaves for the funeral and goes back home and surprise surprise there is a weapons cache a call of duty modern warfare ass weapons cache just sitting in his one bedroom Chicago apartment uh, and he gets a phone call from Sam from 2000 one but this time voiced by julianne moore and whoever it is over the phone tells him that the fbi is coming to his apartment and he needs to run and he doesn't run because he says i'm not doing this i'm hanging up on you for the first of a hundred times over the course of this film oh that's a moderate estimate i think i think we could go higher and uh the fbi comes in they take him and uh he is put in maximum security prison and who are we introduced to but bbt himself billy bob thornton 
doing his best impression of Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. He wants to be Tommy Lee Jones so bad in this movie. And and it's another part and it's sort of this like the government doesn't care. It's very much trying to the movie is not necessarily trying to endear us to Shia LaBeouf's character, even though he's the protagonist. And I don't think that's intentional. I think that that's just because the movie's bad. But but it's also trying to make us like super angry at the government officials. Yeah, it wants us to assume that the government is not going to do their due research diligence uh-huh. because anyone who was paying half a bit of attention would know this kid is not competent enough to be a terrorist. Uh, but they're like, no, the government's not going to look into anything. They're going to find this stuff and automatically believe it. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to tap your phones and believe you're a terrorist and you're screwed. Yeah, because America. And then we're introduced to a host of characters. One played by Rosario Dawson who we love. This is a Rosario Dawson fan zone. And this I believe movie it, does not deserve her. This movie doesn't deserve a lot. And we'll get to that. Yeah. But what happens after we meet Rosario Dawson and common movie, every man, Ethan Embry, <laughs> because I saw Ethan, I see Ethan Embry and Grace and Frankie. And now I just see him everywhere uh-huh. in every little thing. And it's, uh, it's not irritating because I don't mind him, but it's just like, how are you? How are you in almost everything that I ever watched? But I'd never noticed you until Grace and Frankie. <laughs> but what happens after we meet Rosario and Ethan and BBT? We. <laughs> We uh, 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 a chain of events is set into motion that puts this movie on a path towards nonsense that it cannot rescue itself from. It happens so fast, it ha- and it all happens so fast. Okay, so the first thing was the the crane. The crane. He's in an office. Yeah, it's got big glass windows because you know government. Because office. Facility. You gotta see, you gotta have big windows. How else are you gonna see the sudden crane crash into the building of its own accord so that Ethan can jump out? No, not Ethan. Uh, Jerry, listen, he doesn't leave an impression. <laughs> so that Jerry can jump out the window and land unharmed on the street. Mm-hmm. No, no sprained ankle or anything. Yeah. And run away into the night out of a supposedly not secure. To, no, okay, you're, 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 you're not make you're not making it as complicated as it is in the movie. He does not run off into the night. He runs off into like two different trains, oh, and yeah. then into and then off the train, and he's attacked by people because he's like getting phone calls from other people's phones. And then he he gets off of the train and he gets into a car with Michelle Monaghan. Poor, poor Michelle Monaghan. <laughs> Michelle Monaghan in this movie is uh, is a hot mom. And uh, there's only three kinds of women she could have been, guys. Yeah. So it's hot mom. It, it's hot mom, steely government official or elderly landlady. Those are your <laughs> options. And your elderly landlady can't be the love interest. So it's got to be the hot mom. Yeah. So uh, he gets into the car with hot mom and uh, she's just like, where the fuck is my <laughs> and they're just <laughs> screaming at each other and, like, and beating each other. Did you come in for me? Because uh, she recently sent her son off to perform for the president at the State of the Union. 
she doesn't want to go because she's got a because she's got uh, or like just a busy schedule like yeah. i mean she's chastising guys because they drink light beer like uh, this ah uh, this movie okay so he <laughs> there's so many reasons to chastise the guys that are ogling you at the bar their drinking preferences are not one of them it, uh, <laughs> yeah so he gets into the car with hot mom and um all the lights uh, that they're driving on in Chicago turn green and we get our first of many scenes of just extremely grisly car crashes. So many car crashes. <laughs> just <laughs> like I don't know if you've if you've ever seen the 2017 Power Rangers, but that movie is punctuated by like two really really intense and graphic PG-13 car crashes and this movie ups that like by a million it is insane half of the movie is an unnecessary car chase also in this universe apparently it's 2008 and cars can be remotely controlled cars with a stick shift can be remotely controlled no it wasn't uh, they uh, they were driving and this is another thing the weird thing about action thrillers is that lay people drive like people in action thrillers <laughs> i don't like to drive when i'm driving i make sure that i'm being safe not because i don't want anyone to hit me or i don't want to hit anybody it's just because i am sure of the inevitability of being harmed in a car (laughs) and i that's why i'm so careful and but these people they will just it is like fast and the fucking furious from like go yeah and all the while michelle monahan has like lived tyler i just lost my son in a park face Uh uh-huh and (laughs) yep do you know what infuriated me the most about that goddamn tar- car chase? Th- that particular car chase. That particular one, because it's the first one, and Michelle Monaghan is the one driving. Um, Siri had previously told her to get in a car and drive, so she's the one driving the vehicle, and Sam Witwicky jumps in, <laughs> and he criticizes her driving. He's telling her how to drive and she tells him, I know how to drive a stick shift. You're clutching. You're not clutching. Can he see her feet? No. But it's literally like it's a car chase and the man in the car is telling the woman how to drive. Yeah. There's a lot of like forced there's a lot of forced character stuff that goes on like just because Shia LaBeouf's an asshole. Like yeah. once we're past the car crash and we've been lifted by cranes into like garbage ships. Like I said, so much happening. Michelle Monaghan proceeds to what's her name in the movie is it like page rachel Let's call her page oh okay rachel i think it so, is rachel okay uh, yeah. i can't remember her last name I, I, she didn't have one it's eagle eye um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think they say it once like yeah uh, so uh, they're going and they're walking through the end of the movie seven and um <laughs> and he and she's asking him like she's like so this has to be about your twin brother right your twin brother was in the military and now you've got like a fucking you know surplus of doomsday prepper weapons and shit in your fucking apartment obviously it was meant for your brother and not for you and he's like don't talk about my brother bitch <laughs> and and she's just like no I'm just asking questions and the movie sort of like chastises her it for does. like asking common sense questions about this life or death situation that they find themselves in meanwhile and I will do this very very 
quick. Her son's trumpet that he traveled to D.C. with has been stolen by an Iranian man who owns a store that sells instruments or repairs instruments. And also, meanwhile, a weapon has been developed, an explosive crystal that is, and I quote, eight times the range of C4 has that can be cut into a diamond or anything has been placed onto a necklace and that the trigger for the thing has been placed into her son's trumpet. Stick a pin in that. We'll get back to that. It's going to come back eventually. Yeah. Okay. So they go and they're, they're being followed by a car and it turns out that it's the Iranian man and he's like, oh, y'all can drive yourselves to Indiana. And they're like, Indiana, what the fuck? We don't want to drive. No. And, 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 and then he's just like I don't want any part of this I'm not a terrorist because I'm Iranian and a Republican I guess and an Iranian's gonna vote Republican at this point in history and so he yeah, decides sure. to he, he decides to run away and while running away what happens when he runs away Micah <sighs> while he is running away they are out in the middle of nowhere, some deserty looking place that I am positive does not actually exist in Illinois. Um, and above them are those really, really big electric lines. And one of those electric lines snaps off and swings by down the power of Siri, by the power of Siri. <laughs> The electric line snaps itself off and uh, it uh, flies down on the ground and the Iranian man gets hit with it and, and it blows up. blows him right sky high. Because <laughs> that's how electricity works. And then uh, you get more of Shia LaBeouf screaming and more of Michelle Monaghan uh, just with and when i say live tyler i just lost my son in a park face i don't know if you've ever seen live tyler live tyler was who in lord of the rings arwen arwen in lord of the rings and she has two facial expressions the one that is just like come hither <laughs> and then she has the one that is just like jacob <laughs> jacob has anyone seen jacob <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones <laughs> michelle my hand has that face this entire movie it doesn't, it doesn't matter what scene so in another turn of events where they drive from the end of seven to Indianapolis, uh, they, Is that where they were? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it took us 30 minutes to yeah. figure out they were in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they go to a place and then they have to steal a suitcase from an armored car and then they have to get on a trip, uh, uh, like a, a bus tour with Japanese people. And uh, there was no way to summarize this succinctly. Y'all, I promise. <laughs> it's the most convoluted thing I have ever seen. I think yeah. the most needlessly convoluted thing. It just, it, uh, I literally screamed convolution. <laughs> <laughs> he did. At one point, he just yelled "convolution," and that was it. We just moved on. And I couldn't. I was. I was so angry at everything that was going on. Okay, so so they grab the suitcase, and then they have to go to Macy's because they gotta uh, get new clothes. They got you know they've been seen. They gotta. And- they gotta go to Macy's or Circuit City. I'm not sure which one they were in because they get into a TV room, and in the TV <sighs> room, they learned. The lady who's calling them is Evil Siri, and it's a computer. Michelle Monahan no. says with a no. Shia LaBeouf said that. Oh, Shia LaBeouf yeah, says it. Yeah, he was just like 
Uh, it's a computer. And then his mouth was just agape the, the rest of the scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I, I, what even happens after that? I don't even fucking know. Yeah, long story short, they have to go they have to go to Washington to try and kill the president because Siri got mad that they blew up the funeral. Ooh, and, and then Anthony Mackie shows up. And then Anthony Mackie shows up. Gotta gotta show some love for Amax. I have but, so much love in my heart for Amax. Okay. So much. And they try to tell the Secretary of State about it, who I believe is Michael Chiklis's character. So they, uh, so he's the they Secretary t- of something. Yeah, and he's he, he answers to someone or something, but he they go into a room, and and this is where in my notes I I, I wrote absurd uh, in very large letters with three exclamation points because they go into a room where Siri cannot hear them or see their facial expressions uh, so she cannot read their lips or hear what they're saying but she can read the vibrations of Michael Chiklis's coffee cup yeah kids you heard that right the Siri, goddamn coffee cup yeah Siri spying on us with our uh, with our hot beverages but I think <laughs> At, the, at this point, we we had we had already been through like an airport chase sequence. There was some fun, and I use that word uh, completely facetiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, yeah. there was some interaction stuff between Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan because uh, they're the male and female leads of an action thriller. So of course they gotta fuck. They gotta have that heart to heart, man. And, um, I'm done recapping it. Let's just shit on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a genre of movie mm-hmm. that it kind of took me this movie to realize exists. And I jumped the gun and I described it to, to CJ while we were watching. I said, oh, my God, do you know what movie this is? Did you guys watch? And if you didn't listen, you shouldn't. Um, and we're probably going to talk about it at some point. Oh, this is when you caught. <laughs> this is when I realized that this movie, it's just fucking Geostorm. Dutch boy is eagle eye. And instead of climate change, it's terrorism. So this is also. But you know what other and this distresses me. You know what other movie fits this same genre is the Avengers Age of Ultron. In which you have a general threat. I was, I was actually going to say Captain America, uh, not Captain America Civil War, but Captain America. I think Civil Soldier. War qualifies too. Yeah, the it's, Winter Soldier. Winter I mean, Soldier. Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier is the one with yeah. uh, the helicarriers that were going to cap Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch yeah. before we met him. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. These movies where you have a general global threat, be it climate change or terrorism or Benedict Cumberbatch, and (laughs) then you have created a preventative technology to get rid of the threat before it exists, or in the case of Geostorm, to eliminate a threat that is in progress before Mm. the world dies. So, and then of course... Because movie, the threat, the thing that you created to prevent the threat becomes a threat in and of itself. So in Age of Ultron, Ultron becomes evil. In Geostorm, Dutch Boy gets hacked and starts creating these weather anomalies. And in this movie, Eagle Eye, evil Siri, um, decides she reads the Constitution, which is more than most of what our politicians do, to be fair, reads the Constitution and decides that since they blew up this village, they committed treason and she has to eliminate the entire chain of command by initiating and I love this Operation Guillotine Operation Guillotine 
that is going to like decimate the line of succession and make Michael Chiklis the president of the United States. Which, yeah. honestly, if someone was going to be the president of the United States, I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for Michael Chiklis. <laughs> but you would vote for him before you would vote for next Republican senator from California, Chris Pratt? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I can't take credit well, for we, Jet Stroke. That's, yeah, we, that's we, CJ's joke. We have, and we're, uh, we've got a lot of movies to cover. We'll get we'll, back to future California Republican Congressman Chris Pratt at some time. That, that's a, that'll come back. <laughs> but not here. Not here. <laughs> but so, I, yeah, it, and uh, they have to go and they end up going to the State of the Union and there's a necklace that Michelle Monaghan has on that has the blow up crystal and her son's trumpet uh, is going to hit like, I know f sharp or some shit and yeah. then it's gonna blow up but before that happens and there's a timer that doesn't matter yeah the timer uh, b- never- before that happens shia labeouf gets up and he uh like shoots a gun and that stops everyone and uh saves everyone but he is a dude with a gun in the state of the union so he gets shot and then but he's a white dude so he lives <laughs> and- <laughs> guys i told you i was gonna go there <laughs> And and then we go uh, to the future. Hold on, hold on. Before we go to the future, while we're comparing this to other movies, because this is like a Geostorm style plot device, uh-huh. there's a specific movie that uses almost this exact plot device to threaten the life of a president at the end of the movie. Do you know where I'm going with this? In the, I don't remember what year it came out, but in the remake of Get Smart with Mm. Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway, that movie ends with the president almost getting blown up because a certain note gets hit by an orchestra. Okay. And so this, and so in this case, it's a children's orchestra. It's a trumpet. It's the national anthem, not Ode to Joy. I just thought it was funny because then I was picturing Steve Carell instead of Shia LaBeouf. And that's more fun. I think that it's so convoluted, but it also takes itself so seriously. Yeah. You you can't really have that much fun with it because you're spending the entire time like, what the fuck? Because the characters aren't going what the fuck. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's so odd in that way. And I really, really, really wanted to blame this on the writer's strike. But this had been in production for a very long time before that it was supposed to be a Spielberg movie but then I'm pretty sure Spielberg read the script and, and was, was like, like nope I'll produce it um but I, I think it, I think it's got like four credited writers on it or something like that not that that really really means anything mm-hmm. but the idea that like it it does feel like so many different people had their hands on it because yeah, it's very yeah, it it's very much like the Dark Knight, and I'm not comparing this film and quality to the Dark Knight at all. Um, <laughs> but it's very much yeah. like that in that like um, it's sort of episodic, like a thing happens, yeah, and everything is sort of like stagnant. No mm-hmm. real change happens with the mm-hmm. characters. Something happens. We go through one action scene and then Shia LaBeouf is yelling. Michelle Monaghan uh, is looking for Jacob. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you just sort of rinse repeat over and over and over again. And you couple that with the fact that it has such nonsense politics. Yeah. It, it's very easy to remember why a lot of people don't uh remember it fondly or remember Mm -hmm. it at all and it's Mm -hmm. uh very easy to see why it sort of just got dumped into this this year that aside from a 
couple of things uh, was pretty lackluster because of the writer strike. I don't know what to do with anything we just saw. <laughs> yeah, it's <sighs> so. I want to go. I want to talk about the the politics of it because okay. it's very, um, it's very of its time in terms of its politics, the way that it treats its characters of color, the way that it treats who you think the villains are, mm. and the rationality that evil Siri has in what she does. So, yeah. so it opens with this scene, like we described. It's in a unidentified Middle Eastern. Country country and there is ultimately a deadly strike on this Middle Eastern country's village and a whole lot of people die in the name of trying to get this one bad person that they think might be there. And I think they thought that would resonate because that happened a lot. We did that a lot and we killed a whole lot of people in Iraq and Afghanistan. Our civilian death toll was upwards of 200,000 people by the year 2017 from the start of the war to now. So this is a familiar scenario. This we can bomb a bunch of civilians to get somebody. So I thought, okay, is this going to is this movie going to say something interesting about the way that we viewed collateral damage at this time? And is it going to be commenting on that? But then it just doesn't. Because it it doesn't have time in the middle of BBT and Rosario, like uh, performing like an investigation in like Shia's dead brother. And in between the fact that we have to know that there is a, uh, a a bomb diamond. And (laughs) there's so the movie has so many fucking moving parts. It's insane. And it doesn't take the time to develop like any of them. So this is what it, opens the movie with this is the first thing we see and it doesn't come up again until there's like maybe 20 30 minutes left in the movie and you find out that it is the reason that evil siri decides that she needs to kill everybody in the government but it's not because they killed civilians and didn't even get the guy that they meant to get which they mention offhand they're like yeah no we he wasn't actually there we just killed an entire town at a funeral for no reason at all they just mentioned that offhandedly and the reason that she decides that she needs to go on a rampage is because after that happens there are retaliatory attacks on u.s embassies around the globe and so she decides that they threatened national security by doing this and that's why everybody gotta go has nothing to do with the fact that we killed this entire village of people. And I think that's so indicative of the way that we viewed these civilians that we just indiscriminately murdered during this period of time is it's just like, oh, well, is it going to threaten our national security? Because that's the only thing that's important. And that lets it get off Scott free without... Uh, uh- it gives it the ability not to take a side. Yeah, yeah. Because we could care about the fact that all of these civilians died in this military operation or exercise or whatever. Or we could care about the fact that people are dying at American embassies. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> um, so Evil Series starts calling people's cell phones saying you've been activated and people start blowing shit up for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> it's such a it's such a convoluted way to get to evil series motivation did i ever i've been saying bbt a lot did i ever say at any point while we've been recording that bbt is billy bob thornton yeah for clarification 
clarification's sake, that's Billy Bob Thornton. Um, we don't remember his character's name because... He was Agent BBT. He was Agent BBT. And that's all that this movie thinks you need to know. Uh, and oh man, and he does a fucking sacrifice play because they send a drone after Shia. <laughs> drone. They send a drone after Shia and it, uh, and it like goes under a bridge with a bunch of cars and explosions happen and a fucking semi flips because it's 2008 semi's got a flip flip. (laughs) and uh, one it's two hours it's an hour and 57 minutes long so it's two hours it could this could have been a very succinct 90 minute dumb thing yeah yeah yeah. they could have cut out at least three subplots from this thing because at the end of the day i was just like whoa we didn't need the iranian man we didn't we honestly did not need the suitcase could have been a bomb we really didn't need uh the fucking explosive uh diamond nope and could have just been yeah could have cut all that out because what the suitcase ends up being it's literally just it has a timer on it the timer counts down to when it opens that's all it does it just unlocks the suitcase is what the timer does and then they open it and it's a experimental heart drug that they inject into their arms and it slows down their hearts enough that they need less oxygen so they won't suffocate on this cargo plane that they're taking to Washington, D.C., that was what the case was for. I'm sorry. Uh, like, so, I just like tuned out as you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I lose you all? Because if I did, that's fine. Because okay. um, yeah, because yeah. and that play and it's only there to like force more uneven characterization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just makes uh, it, like it, it's one of those movies that is like if this was it's super incompetently written but if it was more incompetently written it would like your your eyes would just pop out of your head from anger mm-hmm. but it also manages to be so fucking boring <laughs> it is it, like we had how much of the movie left I think like so we took a break at like 45 minutes and I was like Jesus Christ there's another hour and 15 minutes of this and then we turn it back on and I had to ask when there was like 30 minutes left I was like how much is left how much more of this do we have to endure <laughs> and I don't know why I had rose colored glasses on for this movie because I knew it wasn't going to hold up to like when I was a kid yeah. but I think that when I was like 14 15 years old and I understood the NSA thing in the way that a 14 mm-hmm. or 15 year old would understand it mm-hmm. all, all of this made sense it also had Shia LaBeouf pre crazy Shia LaBeouf but pre crazy Shia LaBeouf was still cute and uh, and I can see I can sort of see the rationale behind making it it had been yeah. on Spielberg's shelf for a long time for its budget it's very moderate budget Disturbia did a really uh, did really solid business so mm-hmm. uh, the reteaming of the director DJ Caruso and Shia LaBeouf makes sense Shia LaBeouf is coming off of Transformers made a whole bunch of money also indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull made a whole bunch of money whether you like it or not controversial but it did bring in that money so that makes sense uh mission impossible 3 had just come out like two years before mm-hmm. michelle monahan was the female lead in that yeah so a, a lot of this uh, uh, it has on paper the makings of a solid throwaway action thriller but it can't it can't even manage that it can't it cannot 
it's just too too convoluted for its own good. Mm-hmm. It needed to be a solid 30 40 minutes shorter. Oh, only 30 or 40 minutes. Mm, I mean, I'm being generous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm being pretty generous. I'm being generous with that. Yeah, it needed a new script. Uh it needed a lot of things. It had some of the component parts of a nice fun Olympus has fallen style. I'm going to watch this and not think about it and have fun. But there but it's there's like fun. there's no jokes in it. The thing about movies like a fucking Olympus has fallen or White House down mm-hmm. or a uh, racer or enemy of the state one they have super charismatic actors and at this point mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think Shia does charisma that's not his thing uh-uh. so like or, or just like immediate like affableness that you would get yeah. from a Schwarzenegger that you would get he's, from a um, from a Will Smith you yeah know? he's too smarmy for that kind of charisma so there's like a subset of people who watch movies now that um if you know any bit of levity makes it into their very serious thing that often involves superheroes or spaceships mm-hmm. um they just become they just can't handle themselves they just want to punch something so it this movie it just seems so superficially self-important uh-huh it's like we're talking about politics we're talking it, it has it, it it very much thinks it has big ideas yeah but yeah. it is sanded those ideas down to their most sort of base emotionality and i can see how somebody my age that was my age when it came out would think that this was cool yeah but because we'd all definitely were very concerned about like the government tapping our phones and shit. It uh. just <laughs> listen, I yeah, I was concerned about it when I was 13, 14, however old I was. Let's see, 2008, I was like what, like a sophomore in college, high school, high school. Yeah. What yeah. Kids that age like, well sure, I can see watching this and and being like, yeah, man, the government's like going to call me from like a stranger on the bus's fucking phone. Yeah. It it, 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 it uh, <laughs> We know you are. Why do you keep saying we? We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense. At this point in the show, we would like to give out participation awards to the film that we watch every week and uh, participation awards because millennial and mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would like you to go first because I feel like yours are going to be uh, meaner than mine oh yeah you're probably right about that um so minor thing I was I was legitimately trying to find things that I like about it okay so since it is a participation award uh-huh I don't want to give it a superlative. So I'm not going to say you were the best at this thing. I'm just going to say you did this thing. Here's an award for it. So my first is um, you. I'm going to give it an award for acknowledging that civilian deaths happened in the Iraq war. I'm not going to bring up the fact that they uh, fucked that up real bad and uh, didn't use it the way they should have. But you know what? (laughs) 
you acknowledged it. And it was 2008 and we were still raring to go in, in the war that's never going to end. So you, you did that thing. And um, I'm going to give an award to Michelle Monaghan's hair, because let me tell you, had I been running around in like a garbage truck and multiple car accidents in a cargo plane, my hair would look nasty. She was salon ready. (laughs) She had that on point blowout throughout the film. And so I'm going to give an award to her hairdresser and I'm going to give her an award to her stylist for that gray roll neck sweater because I would like a gray roll neck sweater after seeing this, I think. So I'm going to give a good old um, star you tried to their political commentary on the Iraq war. And I'm going to give an award to Michelle Monaghan stylist. And those are the nicest things I can say about this movie. Oh, oh, and mm-hmm. and I have to give a big old award for casting Anthony Mackie because like you put him in anything. And I'm, I was happy every time Anthony Mackie was on screen. And he tended to spend a lot of his screen time with Rosario Dawson, who I also have a huge crush on. So like <laughs> they put two awesome people in a bunch of scenes together. So props to that. Sweet, sweet. Uh, my awards are uh, outstanding achievement in completely manufactured peril at the airport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because not only do they have to like make it through TSA with at that point, whatever was in that suitcase. <laughs> we didn't know. Yeah. So we and they, thought it was they a bomb. do that because and they're able to do that because Siri taps into the TSA computer and changes whatever is in the contents of the suitcase to like a headphones, a headphones, a headphones. <laughs> and, 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 and other personal items. And then Billy Bob Thornton shows up and he chases them through the airport. And then through like the whole baggage apparatus so then it's just fucking toy story 2 oh my god it was (laughs) (laughs) where's the prospector that would have been so much more fun uh and and and, uh and then he grabs bbt's gun points it at bbt and nothing happens he doesn't even say help me or anything like that just to send him off on a trail that could be like maybe these people are being controlled by some it Mm is uh yeah so yeah uh outstanding achievement and completely manufactured peril uh outstanding achievement in completely washing out poor rosario dawson in that terrible terrible blue light (sighs) didn't deserve that uh she does not deserve and uh my last award is definitely outstanding achievement in unnecessarily gnarly pg-13 car crashes (laughs) um (laughs) it's dude it just makes no sense whatsoever i was like what is happening here the entire movie man eagle eye didn't hold up uh glad i was able to glad we were able to unthaw it though it's something i had been able to sort of been wanting to reappraise for quite some time and um you know it's not a shy's face isn't bad to look at regardless Mm. of the smarm and anthony mackie was there and anthony mackie was there with his husband thighs (sighs) and um the topic of husband thighs will come up again (laughs) (laughs) yes it will (laughs) 
there's movies with army hammer under 32 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> it's gonna happen um yeah It'll so happen. that was uh totally eagle eye <laughs> that was eagle eye I, and i think that's going to probably close out the inaugural episode of below freezing below freezing we hope that over the course of this podcast, we will find some below 32 movies that are gems, that are actually good. Because that there up. are ones that we know that yeah. we love. We all uh, know that Rotten Tomatoes cannot 100% be trusted, yeah. right? It's just that this time it can. Sparkling 27%. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up the very first episode of Below Freezing. If you like the show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes and or a comment on SoundCloud. Uh, our theme is by Riley Watson, uh, a.k.a. Masai, a.k.a. Captain What. He's also very funny, so you should follow him on Twitter at Riles Watson. Links to all of our social media handles, as well as a link to rent the film that we'll be talking about in our next episode are in the description box. 